Welcome to the Holy Soup Podcast, where the church's status quo and sacred cows get rounded up, simmered down, and dished out. And now, here's your chief cook, author, innovator, filmmaker, and founder of Group Publishing, Tom Schultz. Welcome to the Holy Soup Podcast. You know, over the past few decades on the American employment scene, as well as in society as a whole, we've seen women make a number of strides toward equality with men. Now, many would say that there's still quite a ways to go in that regard, but what is the picture in the American church, particularly when it comes to leadership roles? How are women in the church viewed? How are women treated? And how well is the church utilizing the gifts and abilities of women? Well, these questions and many more will be explored at Group's upcoming Future of the Church Summit. And Holy Soup podcast listeners are invited to come along to the summit. One of the summit speakers is Katie Cole. She's the author of a new book entitled Developing Female Leaders, Navigate the Minefields and Release the Potential of Women in Your Church. And Katie is with us today on the podcast. Welcome, Katie. Well, thank you so much, Tom. It's a real honor to be here today. And I'm looking forward to the conference in the fall. Great, great. It's going to be great to have you with us. Now, you've spent a good amount of time researching, working, and consulting in the church. I'm curious, when it comes to women in ministry, what are some of the major issues that you see that churches are facing? Well, this is a big issue for many churches. And I would say in my research, what I found is that kind of along the theological spectrum, there are challenges for women in all areas. So even in very egalitarian environments where we would say theologically women can do all sorts of roles to very complementarian or conservative environments where women are allowed to lead in only a few roles. In all areas, we are sort of struggling to really help women fully bring their full capacity into their church ministries and really their impact in the kingdom. So some of the uh, most common, uh, we talk a lot about the glass ceiling when it comes to uh, gender and rising in leadership. In the church world, we call it the stained glass ceiling. <laughs> and those are kind of those structures and systems that just by their very nature, we've either created or perhaps inherited from uh, leadership from before us that sort of holds women back. Things like paying women the same um, that we would pay a man for equal work, um, different titles for different um, jobs, even though they're actually carrying the same amount of authority or responsibility, uh, not giving women promotions, not uh, pouring into them and giving them education, bringing them to conferences, sending them to advanced college. Those are all the sorts of ways that sort of hold women back from an organizational perspective. One of the things, though, that was so interesting in the resource, research is that there's actually a phenomena called the sticky floor as well. And those are those things that women sort of have in their own thinking and their own styles of being grown into leadership that kind of keeps us stuck on the floor. So the glass ceiling holds us back from moving forward, but the sticky floor holds us back internally. These are things like uh, high levels of perfectionism that we see a lot in very accomplished female leaders, uh, a sense of imposter syndrome where women oftentimes feel like they don't really belong in a leadership environment, they don't feel welcome, they don't feel accepted, they feel kind of like a fraud or an imposter. There is um, just sort of insecurities or questioning ourselves. Most of us, especially if we're over the age of 35, have grown up in an era in society as a whole that kind of points women into certain 
types of roles, certain levels of leadership, and we don't really expect them to go further than that. So we kind of don't even spend any time imagining ourselves leading at higher levels. And if you don't imagine it, it's really hard to step into it, even if you have the capacity and the opportunity to do it. So those are some of the things. The glass ceiling pieces, we can do a lot about organizationally. The sticky floor things, we need to work on a lot personally to really overcome those barriers. Hmm, that's really interesting. Well, I'm, I'm curious, how, how do you help people, especially us males, uh, to understand what it's like to be a female trying to thrive in a ministry role at church? It is definitely a hard thing to navigate. Um, and, uh, you know, there's all sorts of challenges to that. I am so encouraged, though, by how many great godly leaders, pastors, uh, even business leaders that are believers who are really trying to take this on and get a better understanding. And that's really where it starts. In my book, I talk about eight best practices that we can do. But the first one is really the most important, and that is to seek to understand. And that's important in any sort of environment where there is a minority trying to grow in leadership. Because unless you are a minority and, and have experienced it, it's absolutely impossible to know the unexpected nuances and dynamics that play at your drive, at your emotions, at your confidence level, and in very real ways, uh, really impact how you are able to lead, build trust in a team, make your voice be heard, all of those things that are very important in leadership. So that's always my first encouragement to guy leaders is to simply Take a look at the women in your life that are accomplished leaders. It may not be the perspective of every woman, but if you're trying to grow women leaders, find women who are leading well. Chances are they're leading in the marketplace or they're running the parent-teacher association at their school or they're organizing the entire neighborhood for something. They're leading at high levels and ask them what it's like to be a woman leader in your church or in this environment or tell me about how you became a leader. It's mind-boggling when you start to hear these stories. Even for me as a female leader that has my own set of challenges, when I hear these stories of what women have endured and have had to overcome and the things that they battle even today in formalized, on-staff, paid leadership roles, the resistance and the discrimination and the challenges they face almost on a daily basis. It's really remarkable that these women stay committed to ministry mm. for so long and so faithful to their church despite the very difficult environment they have to lead in. Can you give me an example of that, uh, that you've, you've run into a woman in, in a church staff position that has really been held back and, and uh, without mentioning any names, uh, what, what does that look like? Well, it can look like a variety of things. I think on the very front lines, um, which again is the beginning of our leadership pipeline would be our volunteer roles, is uh, I have a, a story that I talk about in the book where a woman was trying to um, help the usher team, which was all men, and she was a staff role, a new staff role, and the, the senior pastor asked her to go and help the ushers who didn't have enough t-shirts and they needed new name tags and they were, you know, didn't have enough baskets to take the offering. Very practical things no real spiritual authority involved in this. And so she came to the meeting to just find out what they needed. And they spent 30 minutes um, making it very clear to her that they were not going to learn anything from her. She had better not have very any opinions about what they were doing, that they were there, they were in charge, and they would tell her what she needed to do. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, that kind of resistance when you're just trying to help a basic volunteer team is more common than I think anyone really realizes that kind of resistance. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of on the front line. On the higher level, women oftentimes get overlooked for promotions. I talk to many women who are uh, working in multi-site environments where they are maybe the children's director or the student ministry director. Again, even in co uh, conservative environments, these are roles that we champion women for, and they are not given the same pay. They're not given the same insurance benefits. Uh, they are expected to um, do all the same work, um, have all the same responsibilities, but work for less. They're not invited to advanced training or conferences or get their seminary paid for. There's just no expectation that they'll grow in their leadership. And that can be very demoralizing, especially many of them end up with bigger youth groups, more volunteer engagement from parents, have stronger productivity and efficiency in their ministries, and they work for less, have less resources, less title, less authority, less stage time, less everything. So in many ways, they're being a stronger, better leader because they're producing more with less than their counterparts. But that's very frustrating uh, to work in that environment for very long. And it does make you question whether or not that's a place you should stay. Wow. Would you say that... Uh... The church as a whole is uh, behind where the rest of society in America is in terms of the advancement of women. Well, I think it's a little bit more complicated because we do have different theological views about this. And so I think if you looked at it strictly from a secular culture perspective and the advancements that have been made in terms of diversity ratios, inclusivity, the business world has gotten their head around this much quicker because they get sued faster than people uh -huh. get sued in the church. So they're motivated to do it. I think the Me Too movement and the Church Too movement has changed the dynamics for churches. I don't think we're in a leadership bubble anymore. And I think I'm actually very encouraged by the number of churches who proactively have been working on this for the last couple years. But even those who are lagging a little behind realize that this is becoming a necessity. However, my, my take has always been, I don't necessarily need for all of us to include women outside our theological perspectives. But what I do think we need to do is make sure that we have clarity on what we believe and that our church culture on a practical daily basis matches what we believe. And overall, I would say most churches, their practical culture does not match their theological viewpoint, one direction or the other. And that creates a lot of confusion, especially for women leaders and those that they work with. And there's a lot of sideways energy of leader capa leadership capacity we are leaving on the table and not leveraging for the kingdom because women aren't sure what they can and can't do, should and shouldn't do. And everyone's dancing around on tiptoes and we aren't really focused on the key aligned issues of teaching the gospel, discipling people, and reaching more people for Christ. Hey, you've brought up uh, theology a couple of times. And it's so important. And those views on theology vary greatly from person to person, from church to church, from denomination to denomination. How do you, as a consultant, as a writer, as a thinker in this field, how do you help churches move forward when biblical understandings and traditions may be pulling people in entirely different directions? Well, this is one of those theological issues that a church needs to be unified on, like they need to be unified on many theological issues. And it is a gray area in scripture. It's not clear cut. I think many people have very strong opinions on their viewpoint, but there's a debate about this. There are disagreements because it's not black and white like some of our other core essential issues. So one of the things that I do as a consultant is I try to help leadership teams really come to clarity on their theological viewpoint. Sometimes it's easy because they're a part 
of a denomination who's decided that for them and already has it written out on a nice white paper and they just have to, you know, send it out to everybody. But sometimes it's a little bit more of an enigma for them. We have a lot of independent churches, a lot of church plants who are sort of finding their way in that. And they're living in maybe a cultural environment that doesn't match their personal viewpoint. So they're trying as a church to kind of thread that needle and decide how can we be relevant and um, connect with our audience and our community, but at the same time, really make sure we have a biblical backing for it. So that's the first thing is to decide that. And then the second is to really have an honest look at our culture and see where is this um, playing out in our culture and how do we align those? I think at the end of the day, all of our theologies view people, men and women as highly valuable we're really talking about in different theological viewpoints is how does that play out in our relationships with one another? And in the book, I have a couple ways that we can look at it that brings some clarity to it, but really how it plays out is what's important. And where churches are really falling behind is in the alignment that the how is being lived out consistently across their church environments, ministries, and within their leadership ranks. Uh, in uh, your research, you revealed eight best practices for maximizing the potential of women in a church. And I think you've already mentioned one of those having to do with understanding. What, uh, when you think of where most churches are today and where they need to be, what do you advise on, where do you start? What's, what's, what's the first thing churches need to pay attention to to get ahead in this game? Well, I think one of the easiest ways uh, to take a look at how you're doing is to pull some simple metrics from your HR department and from your volunteer department. When I think of a church leadership team, I don't just think of paid staff. I think of all the leaders who are helping lead the church. So matter if you're a church of a thousand or you're a church of a hundred, you can take a look at the leadership roles that you have and how many are filled by women and see how are you doing. Um, in the diversity world and the inclusivity world, we're looking for a percentage of 30% really creates representation. So if you have 10 leaders on your team, if three of them are women, you know that you kind of hit the, the baseline numbers. And if you pull your roles and you find out that less than 1% of your leaders are women, you know that, again, regardless of your theology, you have some ways to go in terms of moving women into leadership and making sure their perspective and voice is being heard and that they're leading the roles that you've opened up for women. They know what those are and they're taking advantage of those leadership opportunities. The interesting thing about churches, uh, which is different than many other domains, is that 61% of our congregations on average across America are women. And so it can feel to a lead pastor, particularly when they are on the platform on Sunday preaching their message, they look out at the congregation and it probably feels like your church is full of women and they're highly represented. But if you look at your leadership percentages, if that's not at least hitting that 30% mark, then you know you're greatly underrepresenting an entire dominant population of your congregation is not having their perspective in your decisions. So however you want to slice that, you just want to make sure you are moving women forward in your leadership pipeline and bringing more and more highly capable women to the decision-making room so that you've got a good decision that represents your full congregation. And in your work with churches, what do you usually find in terms of how close churches are to that even 30% minimum? 
It varies greatly depending on how long a church has been looking for this. Obviously, their theology changes it a lot. I would say across the board, um, most churches are doing better than they think in some areas and worse than they think in others. So it's a little hit or miss. And it really comes down to how uh, consistent the senior leadership team has been communicating and holding people to standards. So for example, I have uh, one church that I've gotten to know who's working on this topic and uh, they uh, probably would say that they are behind in the conversation of where they wish they were, especially given the cultural context they live in. Uh, but they just made a couple tweaks. For example, the executive pastor uh, requires any new staff member that someone wants to hire, you have to have at least 50% of the resumes that you've considered need to be of diversity. So they're not white guys, like they could be a different nationality, they could be female, they could be multiple ways that they're not white and a man, but he wants to make sure that at least 50% of the population. Now, he doesn't require them to hire any of the minorities, but what he's doing is he's shifting the culture. He's forcing his team who normally looks to their, you know, their network from college or the guys that they know from whatever, you know, pastoral get together they are in. We generally go to our own networks where a lot of people like us to find new hires. And that just sort of continues the issue by challenging them to reach out and at least consider 50% of their applicants from other places. He's broadening their horizons. The church is expanding their networks. They're opening up their mind. And every once in a while, they find a great candidate that they never would have seen had they not been challenged with that kind of boundary. Mm, fascinating stuff. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Katie. We're looking forward to having you at uh, the Future of the Church Summit in Colorado in October and uh, looking forward very much to that uh, chance to be able to hear more from you on, on what you found in your research and your writing. And listeners can find out more information on that, the Future of the Church Summit, by simply going to futureofthechurch.com, thefutureofthechurch.com, thefutureofthechurch.com, and you'll find uh, more information there, including uh, a bio on Katie and uh, the panels that she'll be involved in. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you then, Katie. Thank you so much, Tom. I'm looking forward to it. Great. And we'll see all of you next time on the Holy Soup Podcast. <laughs>